Welcome to the Agora, the podcast where we discuss all things Greek. I'm Nick Malkoutsis. I'm Phoebe Fronista, and today it's the one with the frigates. We'll be discussing two major defense deals signed by the Greek government, one with France and the other with the US. Greece has been trying to update and upgrade its defense capabilities and alliances over the past few weeks, and we're going to try to make sense of what's involved. But we'll also look at how these developments have gone down in Turkey, Greece's neighbor, but also the biggest potential threat to its national security. Towards the end of September, Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis flew to Paris to meet French President Emmanuel Macron. The two leaders announced an extensive defense pact that involves Greece buying at least three frigates from France's Naval Group for a reported 3 billion euros. Paris also agreed to a mutual assistance clause that would involve French forces helping to defend Greece if it comes under attack. It comes on the back of Greece agreeing to buy another six French-made Rafale jets, taking the total that it's purchasing from France to 24. Wow, that's some shopping spree. But Nick, I'm kind of confused as to how we're paying for all this. Well, it's a good question and one that's obviously being asked a lot uh, in Greece, Phoebe. The total uh, price tag for the ships, the planes and so on is reported to be around 7 billion euros. And uh, some some reports even put it higher than that. Clearly, that's a huge amount of money for Greece. If you consider our annual GDP is around 180 billion euros um, and We've been spending a lot extra over the last couple of years due to COVID and so on. Um, there isn't an easy answer to this. Uh, basically, it's through uh, the, the payments being delayed until uh, the, the ships start to be uh, delivered and so on. So it's not something that's going to burden the budget immediately. It'll be in the, in the coming years. And obviously, it will be spread over a few years. And, you know, in, in, in political terms, uh, it's always the case when there's such big defense purchases that it's it's really the government that makes them that is the one that actually has to foot the bill because these go into the, into the future and someone else has to deal uh, with the uh, financial challenge. But... Nevertheless, it's a huge amount of money. And as, as we'll hear later on in the show, this has been... This aspect of the deal has certainly been challenged uh, a lot uh, domestically uh, by uh, 
people have been critical of the agreements or you know on, on the politi- in the political arena it was one of the subjects that was discussed most in Greek parliament so uh, we'll come back to that issue but uh, the simple answer is the payments are in the future they'll be spread over a few years so it's not something that immediately burdens the Greek taxpayer but as always as is always the case in in uh, such circumstances the bill will eventually arrive on your doorstep <laughs> Well, not, yeah. yours per- not yours personally, uh, Phoebe. I don't think you have uh, 7 billion euros lying, <laughs> lying around. I don't, but I'm assuming it's the taxpayers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so keep paying those taxes, Phoebe. Uh, I see. <laughs> well, Mitsotakis and Macron have suggested that it is a historic agreement, and not just because the Greek Navy will be getting its hands on state-of-the-art warships, but also because a fellow NATO and EU member state has agreed to come to Greece's defense outside the framework provided by these two organizations. And here's a small clip of them discussing this. Έχει προφανώς κίνητρο εθνικό, καθώς θωρακίζει την πατρίδα μας. Έχει όμως και κίνητρο ευρωπαϊκό, αφού ενισχύει την κοινή αμυντική μας βιομηχανία. La Grèce est aux avant-postes, dans une région tourmenté où les intérêts énergétiques et géopolitiques sont majeurs. Ils le sont pour la Grèce, ils le sont pour l'Europe, ils le sont pour la France. But the Greek government didn't stop just there with the deal with France. A few days later, Athens announced that it had renewed the mutual defense cooperation agreement, we'll call that MDCA for short, with the USA. The pact first entered into force in 1990 and has been extended at least for another five years. Among other things, the MDCA allows U.S. forces to use several bases in Greece for training and commits the two sides to mutually safeguarding and protecting each other's sovereignty. There is no question that these are two of the most significant defense deals Greece has signed in recent years. So we're going to look at what's so important about them and whether there are any objections to these agreements. Oh, there's objections. In signing both pacts, Greek officials made a point of saying that they're not designed to antagonize Turkey. But unsurprisingly, Ankara does not seem convinced. So we'll be hearing from two experts from Turkey to understand how Greece's defense agreements have gone down there, and what the political situation is like across the Aegean at the moment. But first, we'll hear from Alexandra Vuluri, a foreign policy analyst here at Macropolis, and a research associate with the Greek think tank, Elia Mep. I spoke to her about the deals with France and the USA and began by asking her what the Greek government is saying about them. Alex, Why are these defense deals with France and the U.S. significant for Greece? What's the Greek government been saying about them and what's your own assessment? First of all, we have a complete new defense deal, the first of such bilateral nature between France and Greece, two EU member states and NATO allies. And secondly, we have the renewal of the defense cooperation with Washington. Domestically, the government provided the narrative that these deals are securing Greece's sovereignty and the support of two strong allies in case of a warm 
incident with Turkey. Internationally, uh, Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis played the card of Europe's strategic autonomy by stressing that the Greek-French defense deal could become a first step towards this direction. Regarding the first narrative, the defense deal with France has no precedent since uh, it indeed includes a mutual defense clause that does not exclude attacks on the territorial integrity of either Greece or France, even from other NATO member states, as Article 5 of the Washington Treaty does. In other words, the accord recognizes the possibility that the conflict between two uh, between NATO member states could occur and that membership of the alliance may, may not provide the requisite deterrent. For the Greek side, this aspect of the deal is expected to serve as a powerful deterrent to Turkey. However, the agreement also foresees the participation of uh, the Greek armed forces in conflicts and crises of French interest, like the Sahel region, and Greece is in fact willing to help French armed forces in case there is a similar request. Now, regarding the U.S.-Greek defense deal, which, as I mentioned, is in fact a renewal of the Mutual Defense Cooperation Agreement, the most interesting element is the letter of U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, addressed to Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis, included as an annex to the agreement, and which refers to the firm determination of both sides to mutually safeguard and protect uh, the sovereignty and territorial integrity of uh, the countries against actions threatening to peace, including armed attack or threat thereof. Now, costly as it might be, the defense deal with France was necessary since the Hellenic Navy needed new frigates after 10 years of economic crisis that has left its fleet with old models and certainly influences the balance of power in the Aegean. For that reason, Ankara has strongly reacted against the deal and certainly more in contrast with the renewal of the MDCA with Washington. Now, whether Greece has indeed secured the support that it was seeking uh, through these deals remains to be seen since France officially clarified that the mutual defense clause uh, does not prefer, for instance, to Greece's uh, exclusive economic zone, but only to its sovereign territory. And Washington has also clearly said, as it always does, in fact, that it supports a dialogue between um, Greece and Turkey to find solutions for their bilateral differences. From a policy perspective and from an analyst perspective, you've uh, explained why these are, agreements are significant, but we've also seen that they're very popular with the Greek public. Opinion polls suggest that more than 60 or even 70% favor the deals. Nevertheless, as you also intimated in, in your previous response, there has been some criticism domestically, particularly over the cost involved. But during debates in Parliament, the opposition has raised other objections. Um, beyond what you describe, what are the issues that have been the main sources of scepticism for the government's opponents? The two deals have certainly received um, wide support by the majority, in fact, of the public since the government played the card of security and uh, of the enhancement of strong alliances with both France and the United States. 
Now, main opposition series party claimed that both deals changed the doctrine of Greece's foreign uh, policy, which has always been that of a neutral NATO member state that does not get involved in foreign operations abroad, and especially not against jihadists, as could be the case uh, in a possible participation in French operations in the region of Sahel. In the case of the MDCA, um, Syriza underlined that by signing the agreement with the United States, um, Prime Minister Mitsotakis becomes the first premier in Greece's modern history that has assigned military installations on Greek soil for an indefinite time. And they also noted that Mitsotakis hailed the inclusion of Alexandropolis, uh, the northern uh, city uh, of Greece, as part of rapid transport of U.S. forces to Bulgaria and Romania, thereby putting Greece in the first line of dangerous tensions in the Black Sea. Syriza also believed that the government offered more to the United States without receiving something substantial in return, apart from vague references regarding Greece's sovereignty. Now, why these arguments have not changed the public's views, I think partly due to the media. I think they play their own role, focusing more on the government's narratives. Um, uh, if you remember, there have been triumphant titles in the Greek press and the TVs uh, with no real criticism or even references to the grey zones of these deals, which have been highlighted only by the opposition. Overall, Syriza did not manage to even convince with the argument about the cost of the purchase of the frigates, and that also says a lot um, politically, um, let's say, about the weakness of the opposition to convince the public, even with some rational arguments. And finally, Alexander, in the in the wake of these deals, how would you sum up where Greek foreign policy stands at the moment? And I'm thinking here, is it, for instance, focused on Greece becoming a key regional player, especially in the Eastern Mediterranean, or is it mostly focused on balancing any threat from Turkey, having a, a response to what it sees as uh, uh, the threat coming from the other side of the Aegean? Unfortunately, Greece's foreign policy has always been reactive instead of proactive. All the alliances, relevant international initiatives, have always focused on Turkey. Well, Turkey is indeed the main problem of Greece. However, I think it is high time um, the Greek foreign policy um, to have a clear direction, even vision on several issues as part of a wider strategy. How it sees its role in the southeastern Europe or in the eastern Mediterranean, of course. It should not be dragged by developments in the region and also... It, I think it should promote its own initiatives or even actions in several cases, conflicts, difficult situations in countries, uh, neighboring countries, let's say. We could take, for instance, the example of Libya. Turkey has been there since forever and particularly got involved in the, in the northern African country, country after the collapse of the Gaddafi regime. Greece has been absent and got alarmed only after the signing of the Turkey-Libya memorandum. The reason why Greece has not yet convinced all of its allies about being able to have a role in saying in Libya has been the fact that in all cases it played the card of Turkey and chose even sides in the conflict because of Ankara. 
that has been wrong. And at least now, uh, it has a chance to change things. Greece's participation, for instance, in the latest Libyan initiative about the stabilization of the country following several meetings uh, between Greek officials with uh, Libya's interim government ahead, of course, of the elections. It certainly proves that Greece is currently in the right direction and should and could follow similar tactics in other cases as well. That was Alexandra Vuduri speaking to Nick about the defense agreements Greece signed recently with France and the US. As we mentioned earlier, the elephant in the room when both of these deals were announced was Turkey. Relations between Greece and its neighbor have been shaky over the last couple of years, and Athens feels that it's become a bit of a punching bag of Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan who Greece accuses of being responsible for frequent violations of its sovereign rights. So we thought it would be useful to get two experts from Turkey to shed light on how the deals have gone down in Ankara, where Turkish foreign policy is heading, and what the political situation over there is like right now. I began by speaking to Aydin Selçin, a commentator for Arte TV and Mediascope TV in Istanbul, and someone with extensive knowledge of Turkish foreign policy, having worked at the country's foreign ministry for 20 years. So Aydin, I'd like to start off by asking you just first if you can give me an idea of how the deal between Greece and France went down in Ankara. If you can give me a brief idea of how the Turkish government uh, reacted to it and then also give me your thoughts on uh, the agreement. Uh, Well, uh, to be honest, in short, it didn't go down well uh, in Ankara. That is obvious, Um, although it's a... Although both uh, France and um, Greece are uh, NATO allies of Turkey, this is uh, this pact is seen as reminiscent of uh, 19th century, so to speak, backroom uh, dealings, where in the Balkans and anywhere else in Europe, uh, each power uh, uh, was plotting against the, the other uh, behind the door. So that was probably the the main uh, line in, in in Ankara and probably generally here in Turkey. Uh, it is sort of, uh, in a way, um, contradictory uh, because uh, between Athens and Ankara or between Mr. Mitsotakis and Mr. Erdogan, uh, there were the communication channels were open. Uh, both foreign ministers visited each other and the tensions seemed to go down. But this is, in a way, a, also a consequence of uh, Ankara's own creation because of the so-called assertive uh, policies followed, especially in the East Mediterranean, and that uh, ended in the in a way in a cyclical way, and ended up uh, hitting uh, Ankara uh, at last. Because if you uh, push uh, too much in uh, diplomacy, as probably is anywhere else, then 
uh, pushback is uh, should be expected, as now seen by uh, Greece and France, and also there is uh, Egypt, Israel, and via uh, Libya also there is France and uh, other powers, so to speak. In Greece, there's a perception a bit that this deal with France, not only because it upgrades the capability of the Greek Navy through the new uh, Belhara uh, frigates that uh, Greece will receive, at least three, maybe more to come. Uh, and we also have the, the deal with the French-made uh, Rafale fighter jets. But significantly that this agreement with France also has this mutual defense assistance, mm. assistance uh, clause. Mm. In, in some circles in Athens, it's seen as a bit of a, a game changer in the East Med and vis-a-vis -vis Greece's relations with uh, Turkey. Would you agree with this, that assessment? Do you have a different take? Um, uh, uh, as far as, I, uh, well, actually, I mean, I don't even think um, um, that we should look into really the uh, fine print of this deal. But as far as now now I am informed, it uh, only covers the, uh, the territory of Greece, but not the continental shelf and the uh, executive economic zone. Um, so, and honestly, no one would expect uh, that um, any country, if that country is Turkey, would uh, try to in invade uh, uh, Greece, as far as uh, I understand, and especially if those two countries are NATO allies. But being uh, in such a um, competition between each other, both countries, Greece and Turkey, as we know, it became reference customers of especially German uh, arms companies when it comes to submarines, other uh, other stuff as well. So it 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 helps uh, in a way. It helps business for others, but for both um, you, for one, know than uh, know better than anyone else. I mean, the economic situation in Greece or the budget uh, does not look so bright. The numbers in Turkey too. The federal, uh, the uh, central bank reserves are uh, in in the red. And still, both countries are like um, uh, embracing each other and pulling together uh, uh, towards the uh, depths of, 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 the, <laughs> of, the, of the sea. Of, perhaps we can call it the Aegean Sea. I mean, they are drowning each other, pulling, pu pulling each other down the Aegean Sea, which doesn't make sense at all. But this is like going through the motions. They play, I mean, both Athens and Ankara prefer to play this game since... Uh, decades now for a, a so-called perception of threat uh, from each other and probably that helps uh, domestically in, in both countries, the uh, politicians. I'm not sure about uh, Athens, but in, in Turkey definitely this is part of the uh, doctrine uh, which, is, which, was, which is a heritage from the uh, either the end of the Ottoman Empire or the foundation of the Republic. I didn't, the, the argument, uh, and that's a fantastic analogy that you, you gave there, the, the argument in Athens would be that, look, uh, Erdogan has been uh, provocative, that he's done things in the uh, uh, eastern Mediterranean, he's done things in the Aegean, he, we see him as a constant threat. There's also currently this moment we're in a bit of concern about the fact that he's under domestic pressure and that might translate into something on the, the foreign policy front. Um, from your perspective and with your experience, could you give us an idea of 
where Turkish foreign policy is at the moment and whether these uh, there is basis to to these uh, concerns about uh, Erdogan's approach to relations with the countries around Turkey. Short answer to that would be I don't know, and maybe the honest honest answer would be I don't know. Uh, but um, and this I'm not saying really uh, ironically. Uh, that would be the uh, intellectually honest uh, answer. Um, but we can put it this way as well. Uh, Ankara's foreign policy, unfortunately for me, uh, became unpredictable uh, since a while now. And they believe this uh, unpredictability, as in the military, as an element of surprise, as an advantage, which is, to my mind, not the case in when it comes to diplomacy. Uh, diplomacy, at the end of the day, is not a uh, it's not a um, a chessboard game or or or, or a, a a war at the end. It's it's part of a, it's a, it's the art of the deal, art of communication, and it takes time. It is difficult to 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 perhaps. Um, extrapolate diplomacy into some sort of a, a, a victory for domestic consumption, but it is, it is much less costly than arms races or uh, wars proper or, or armed operations proper. That is uh, simple as that. But yes, uh, Mr. Erdogan's foreign policy is unpredictable. He is in the election year. He is trailing uh, behind his, his opponents now for the first time in, in, in opinion polls. So uh, the ten tensions will, will rise. But Attention will rise, meaning pro probably a, a, a military operation of limited scope in Syria, for example, uh, to my mind looks uh, more than uh, probable uh, and possible in the in 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 the in very next future, so to speak. But when it comes to East Mediterranean, uh, that was the first arena that the uh, that Ankara. Uh, stepped behind from this so-called assertive or call it uh, irredentist or revisionist or expansionist foreign policy uh, based on hard power. Uh, now, uh, after the, the elections in Libya, we will see the uh, also the the uh, outcome for the for the Turkish military uh, presence in, in in Libya, in the East Med in general, in in Cyprus around Cyprus as well. Actually, the rhetoric now is less uh, um, less harsh, and the actions uh, show that that was the first first field where Ankara uh, tried to rebalance its foreign policy, and also it that's when uh, direct exploratory talks with Greece started, where everything should be uh, on table. Um, it is in that way. It is a little bit. Um, Contradictory to see that now that Ankara uh, pulls behind from its assertions in the in the East Met, there are these uh, bilateral, trilateral deals and military cooperations between Egypt, Greece, uh, uh, Russia, Cyprus, so and so forth. So um, that that is that increases tension and unpredictability. But the, the reaction, I don't, I do not believe the reaction will be in uh, in. In Cyprus or in, in the Aegean against uh, Greece, uh, the reaction, um, the pushback, is, uh, will be on the on the eastern front in, in in Syria. In my mind, in the next future, so I expect Turkey EU relations, Turkey uh, Turkish Greece relations in general with, within NATO, uh, the tensions will 
will will will not rise at least uh, and probably they will work on it so that there will be better communication with us between us and russia it will be more difficult because that entails syria as well but turkey uh, asked for uh, a new batch of f16s for example and try to mend fences with with the us as well with russia there is a give and take the usual give and take process so um, um we see the uh, kind of a uh, long goodbye period of this uh, assertive uh, foreign policy beginning and uh, the more uh, the elections will get nearer um, there is also reason to expect that there will be some um, uh, some flare-ups uh, elsewhere not in the Aegean okay. in, to my mind and I didn't just to pick up on one of your last points there with regards to the US. Obviously, in the last few days, Greece has also renewed its defense cooperation agreement with the the US. And um, we're often told over the last few years that uh, US-Greek relations are at an all-time high. Um, is there concern about this in Ankara? Is there a feeling also, as you mentioned, because... Turkey's relations with the U.S. have been going through this rather prolonged, difficult uh, period. I, I, is there at all a concern that, that the U.S. has pivoted towards Greece and perhaps Turkey is not seen such as a uh, such a vital strategic ally for, for Washington at all? Um, according to opinion polls, for example, like the one conducted by Kadir Has University, they do this every year to understand the um, Turkish public's uh, outlook towards the different, uh, you know, uh, different issues and different uh, powers. Uh, still, uh, many in Turkey see the uh, U.S. not as a friend or ally, but one of the main threats for Turkey. And under the guise of uh, anti-anti-imperialism, uh, starting from the from the let's say far left and going towards the Islamists, um, as far as I can see. Uh, even, I mean, including the opposition, there is some sort of a uh, conviction that uh, uh, U.S. is not uh, to be trusted. This is also based on the argument that U.S. is helping PKK's extension, PYDYPG, in, 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 uh, in the uh, east of Euphrates. And uh, the more uh, U.S. presence uh, becomes... Uh, expanded in Alexandropoli, Dedeac and uh, Crete. Um, sure, there is this understanding in Ankara that something is cooking behind the doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, we add this to this, the, the strategic autonomy uh, uh, search of the EU, which is translated in Ankara that there will be now a another uh, defense organization than, uh, than, uh, than NATO, which Ankara will be out, but Athens will be in. That is also uh, ringing the alarm bells. Um, so, yes, I mean, uh, perhaps not the uh, French-Greece uh, cooperation, but especially the US-Greece uh, co- increasing cooperation or increasing uh, attention shown by uh, US uh, to Greece um, cuts across the line uh, in Ankara including the opposition, that that raises uh, eyebrows and that raises question marks. But at the same time, if you look at the last decade, for example, of uh, Turkey's contribution to NATO 
uh, exercises and operations and, and patrols from the Baltic theater through uh, Polish airspace and in the traditionally in Black Sea. Uh, also Turkey's contribution to NATO uh, exercises and operations are at an all-time high. Um, so that should be uh, taken note of, uh, mm -hmm. I believe. Okay, I then, obviously from your final point there, but everything that we've discussed, uh, it, it seems that there will be plenty for us to follow in the coming months in yes. our region. And it's, it's never dull. <laughs> never dull, yes. And especially now that we uh, the elections are getting near, which is it looks like a, a historic turning point for, uh, for Turkey. Um, the unpredictability also will, will, will rise uh, accordingly. Okay, we'll keep an eye on it. Thank, thank you very much for your time, I Thank Aydin. you for having me, Nick. Bye-bye. Take care. was Aydin Selchen, journalist, analyst, and former diplomat, speaking to Nick about the Turkish reaction to Greece's defense deals. We have one more person to hear from before the end of the show. I caught up with another excellent colleague from Turkey, Mevesh Evin. Mevesh is a freelance journalist based in Istanbul, and she's also a writer. I began by asking her about the apparent turbulence that President Erdogan has run into lately due to economic challenges and low opinion poll ratings, among other things. Here's her take on the current situation in Turkey. There's been quite a lot of noise lately about President Erdogan being in a tough spot because of low opinion poll ratings, a difficult economic situation and other challenges. What's your take on the situation? Yes, President Erdogan is not in a very good shape lately, uh, according to polls. Not only independent polls, but also uh, the polling firm called ORC, close to the AKP, uh, actually published a shocking, I, I might say, uh, shocking news for AKP because the AKP looks around 30%. And especially new coming voters, uh, which will be, if the elections will be on uh, 2023, uh, there will be 7 million new voters. They are uh, mostly voting for the CHP, it said. However, uh, we have to note that there is a, a huge portion of uh, voters who say they are hesitant and a serious number of voters who, who are saying they won't go to the polling stations. Uh, I can say it's around in every uh, poll. Uh, this section is around, uh, in total, 30%. Uh, 
So the difference will be actually if waters go to the polling station and if they can decide. Why are they hesitant? Um, mostly, uh, pol polars say, mostly uh, these are uh, AKP voters who, who cannot say right now which party they will choose. However, we still have time. Um, even if there is a snap election, things might change. So, um, although uh, the CHP, uh, main oppositional party, and E-party, uh, a nationalistic party, and their alliance with other small parties, are uh, having better results at the polls, um, it still doesn't mean that it's a definite victory. So it's a little bit early to say that actually the AKP and MHP alliance uh, will be uh, going in the next election. And of course, the economic crisis uh, has its, its tolls uh, among uh, all politics in Turkey because the inflation rates are crazy. Um, unemployment rates are actually much, much higher than the government is uh, releasing uh, government's figures. So uh, people are really want to have some change. Another interesting point is that people on the polls say that they are against this uh, Turkish type of presidential system. Remember that uh, CHP and E-Party, the oppositional alliance, uh, really is keen on changing the system. They are always um, vocalizing uh, a new, again, a new parliamentary system. We don't know for sure how that will work, but it has an effect on people. And people think, actually, that this system Erdogan has built uh, is not working. But we will see when it happens, uh, what happens at the elections. The HDP, uh, People's Democratic Party, has a steady around 10%, which is actually, for both of the alliances, uh, mean it, be it uh, AKP-MHP alliance and the oppositional alliance, will be critical in the coming elections. Mevish, we have seen in the past that when he's under pressure, President Erdogan turns to either domestic polarization or foreign policy, let's say adventures, to rally his supporters. There is a constant fear in Athens that Greece will be a scapegoat for the Turkish president. Do you expect this fear to be realized, or will Erdogan look for other ways to improve his political fortunes? Well, yes, uh President Erdogan has been known for years and years in creating a crisis uh, with foreign countries in the world uh, and also uh, stepping up with uh, polarization. And I'm sure uh, it won't be that much different in the coming next election. I'm not sure, though, uh, if it will be... Uh, another playground in the Aegean Sea or maybe a greater playground in the Middle East. Uh, for example, the operations, military operations 
and Syria in Iraq uh, will continue. And it's sure that Erdogan is again also Bahçeli MHP leader. Uh, he is a far-right re- leader. Uh, they are trying to get some points uh, by being more aggressive and aggressive. So if there will be an election in normal terms, because don't forget that the past few elections were really not in normal terms. It it was not fair. Uh, The rules have, have been changed by the regime itself, by the AKP regime itself. Uh, so the next election, we hope, Turkish people hope that it will be a fair election, but we have our doubts. was Turkish journalist Meve Shevin talking to Nick about developments across the Aegean. And that brings us to the end of this podcast. I hope we've been able to give you some additional insight about the defense deals signed recently by Greece, which have been dominating headlines in Athens. Yeah, there was it was the top story like for days it seemed, right. just frigates. But it was actually very enlightening for me to hear the thoughts of our Turkish experts especially because Turkey really does seem to have been very much on people's minds when these agreements were signed, even though it was not mentioned by name. It was definitely a presence in the room, uh, Phoebe. Uh, And with that, our presence on this podcast (laughs) has come to an end. We thank you once again for listening to the Agora, which is brought to you by political and economic analysis service Macropolis. Please do subscribe and rate us on any of the platforms where the show is available. That's Spotify, Acast, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Until next time. Bye-bye.